Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom's office is awarding nearly $760 million in grants for affordable housing projects statewide. As CAP Radio's Chris Nichols explains, the money will pay for more than just new apartments. The funding will help create an estimated 2,500 new affordable homes from Sacramento to Fresno to San Diego. But Lynn Von Koch Liebert with the governor's office says it will also pay for upgrades to sidewalks, lighting, and provide services such as employment training at the new housing communities. She described what Californians will see once the projects are built. You see urban greening and trees that are leading up to these beautiful, affordable housing properties that then are designed to really meet the needs of the residents, meaning you have single-family housing, three-bedroom family housing. You will have childcare centers. The money comes from California's Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities Program, which is the state's largest funding source for affordable housing. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. Workers' rights advocates are calling on Los Angeles to combat wage theft as one way to tackle the homelessness crisis in the city. KQED's labor correspondent Varida Javala Romero explains. There's often not just one reason why people become homeless, but a new analysis by the Los Angeles Workers' Center Network finds wage theft is so prevalent among the lowest-earning Angelinos, it's contributing to the crisis. Tia Kunz, a researcher at the UCLA Labor Center, co-authored the report. The minimum wage is $15 an hour, and that's not what they're getting in their take-home pay. Absolutely, that is a driver of people's inability to make rent, and inability to be able to put a roof over their heads. Restaurant cook Miguel Vasquez says he lived on the streets for 10 months after a former employer stiffed him on wages. Now working and housed again, Vasquez says, at the time of the wage theft, he wasn't sure about his rights or where to go for help. The Workers' Center Network is urging L.A. Mayor Karen Bass and the City Council to strengthen labor enforcement and support wage theft victims, in part with a program like the one San Diego County just launched. San Diego is fronting victims up to $3,000 so they can stabilize financially while helping them recover their stolen pay. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. This summer, many Californians have settled back into their pre-pandemic lifestyles, finally taking that trip, going to concerts, or back to the movie theaters. But even though the federal public health emergency ended in May, COVID transmission and hospitalizations have been on the rise in California. Joining me to talk about where and why we're seeing this uptick is infectious diseases doctor and professor Monica Gandhi. Dr. Gandhi, welcome. Thank you. So what are COVID numbers looking like throughout the state right now? And where are we seeing the biggest upswing in COVID transmissions? So right now, essentially, if you look at the California state data, there are an increase in what's called test positivity and cases. So we're now at a 13.2% test positivity rate. Actually, our hospitalizations and deaths, luckily, are staying very low, but it really is a lot more cases. And why are we seeing this uptick? It's likely because of a new subvariant. Omicron is still our parent variant. We haven't, we don't have a new Greek letter, um, but we have subvariants within Omicron. The new subvariant is called EG5. It differs from XBB 1.5 by just one mutation. So it's really close. It looks really similar, but that one mutation made it more transmissible. And whenever you have a variant that causes increased transmissibility, then you're going to get an uptick in cases, not an increase in virulence. doesn't cause more severe disease, but an increase in making it easier to get. Okay, so if that's the case, how worried should we be about this increase? So the thing is, um, I would not be very worried if you've had a va- vaccines in the past or even in the infection in the past or most likely a combination of both. So it depends on how you want to live your life, I would say. Uh, we are always going to get new subvariants. This virus changes a lot, just like we do with influenza. We're always going to live with COVID. And what you do with your life in terms of indoor gatherings, going to restaurants, going back to your pre-pandemic life, will be up to you and your risk tolerance. But there's a lot of people who have gone back to pre-pandemic life because that life creates human connection and joy. And and we do see in California big concerts and big indoor gatherings, and people have really 
done their part for the pandemic and they um you know feel like they they'd like to live and and i would i absolutely think that's the right thing to do but if you're older i would get a booster and finally i want to circle back to the vaccine rollout when should we expect the next one and who should get the shot this booster supposedly will be available mid-september so really soon I don't know what the CDC is going to recommend. They are meeting on September 12th to make a recommendation for Americans. They may recommend it for everybody because they, in general, like to keep their message simple. But I will say definitively that if you're older, on immunosuppressants, have multiple comorbidities, every other country and the WHO is saying, please get that booster in the fall. Dr. Gandhi, thank you so much for your time and expertise on this. Thank you. That was infectious disease doctor and professor Monica Gandhi. And that's the California Report for Thursday, August 31st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors, including watermelon and pineapple, in stores or delivered from HintWater.com. Stanford Medicine comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives, stanfordmedicine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.